Good day, everybody, and welcome to our third episode of Touchline Thoughts, powered by the Garage Door Sports Network. I'm your host, Terefan Manji. Today, we're going to switch our hats and cover the German League for a little bit. My guest and I will go through week one, and we will share our outlook for the rest of the Bundesliga season. For now, grab a snack, maybe something to drink, and let's get going. Today's guest connects with me from Kingston. He's been brought in for squad depth to cover the transfer window, and he is our resident Brewster Dortmund fan. I'm pleased to welcome Matt Fodi. How are you, Matt? I'm good. Thanks, Irfan. Thanks for bringing me on. Absolutely. Uh, I've been doing okay, just trying to stay busy. Yeah, well, I'm very happy to have you on, especially to get a German league perspective. Uh, obviously, we're very heavy here at TH Line Thoughts for, you know, EPL stuff, but uh, get to have a different perspective. Before we start, I'd like to do a quick shout out to Support Women in Sports. On Twitter, you can find them at SupportWSports. They have uh, amazing stickers and merchandise. They also have a podcast that you can listen to. I'm going to tweet out a link after this episode, so keep an eye out for that. All right, Matt, let's get right into it. Our starting 11 today looks at match day one results from the Bundesliga. So the first match that we saw was a thrashing by Bayern Munich, 8-0 over Schalke. You wanna... this, one, this one was painful. Schalke are going to get relegated if they continue to play like this. Gnabry yeah. looked like he didn't lose a step after that. No. Freaking Champions League final where he went out and did quite well as well. I feel like, uh, yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of issues that might be a little bit more systemic with Schalke, but they've really got to sort some things out after this this loss. I think it should be an eye-opener. And you feel like if you're going to lose to Bayern, it's not a big deal. I mean, there's no shame in losing to a team like that. But when you lose 8-0, that's, it's going to be some signal flags going on. They, they looked like they didn't belong. I mean, they lost the counter. They lost possession. Their man-to-man marking was poor. I mean, overall, I don't think they, they were even prepared to go into this. And you talk about Bayern, where it just felt like the last three weeks of their prep, quote-unquote, it's like they were already in mid-season form because, you know, playing at a compete level, playing at a high level, they were already ready to go. And that three-week break sort of thing was like, all right, it's just the winter holidays and we're back to a new campaign. So um, I'd be weary of Bayern, obviously. I think they're the cream of the crop by far so there was that matchup uh moving on to the next one Eintracht Frankfurt drew 1-1 against new boys Armenia Belfield yeah I think looking at this match day score you're a little surprised I think for a lot of people who are not overly familiar with Bielefeld's and Frankfurt really didn't do themselves any favors going out into this one I I think Tia, I think Silva really should have ended up getting a goal. He had a back heel that ended up getting saved when there was a bit of a goal mouse scramble. It just seems like there was a lot of missed opportunities on Frankfurt's part. You'd liken them to improve, and, and especially with Philip Kostic as well on that wing, where he was dangerous all game. He ended up picking up an assist late in the match as well. 
you feel like uh, they will get back into some real form, but uh, they didn't uh, really impress very well in this first match here. No, not at all. I mean, you expect them to be a, a top six competitor in that German league, especially with the quality up front, the quality in the midfield. Um, they're usually a sound team, so I guess taking a point is 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 important, and, and it worked out. But against the new club that hasn't really found their bearings, a little disappointing if you're a Frankfurt fan. Uh, the third matchup uh, of the first week was Augsburg winning 3-1 over Union Berlin. Um, did you get a chance to catch that one? Uh, I saw the highlights from that one. Augsburg did look uh, pretty sharp uh, starting the season there. Berlin is a bit of a minnow. I think they would like to just stay in the league this season. Absolutely. I think their their counterattack for Augsburg here was uh, was pretty good. They were able to finish when they had their equality chances, so good on them for doing that. Uh, Hoffenheim beat Cologne 3-2. Sebastian Hornes' first match uh, was supplied by a Kramerich hat-trick that sealed the deal. So that, that was a good game for a coach that steps in from, well, not from a high-level coaching background, but he's able to come in, pull off a win against Cologne. What are your thoughts on that one? Uh, I mean, he's got he's got some good little pieces in his squad, and I feel like the that Kramerich is the focal point going into the season. I feel like if Hoffenheim do have an injury with Kramerich, they might tend to struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, it doesn't look like their back line is too special right now. So I think they got to focus on keeping Kramerich healthy. Of course. And, and I don't think you want to be trading goals with a side that is probably mid-table with you and try not to be relegated up there. Uh, Hertha Berlin beat uh, Bremen for one uh, dominant performance by Hertha Berlin, uh, Matt. Yeah, Berlin were really, really good in this match. I I had watched uh, the highlights from this one as well, and it just looked like no contest. I feel like Bremen ended up getting a consolation goal there for David mm-hmm. Selke at the end. But yeah. Hertha Berlin's got just the whack strikers. They've got so many strikers, including Piontek, who looked like he was the real deal when he went to AC Milan. And then when it was touted that he was leaving, you thought that he was going to go somewhere of serious note. But Hertha Berlin was not the expected destination. I think that he can get back to something big, and especially with this uh, Berlin attacking, uh, you know, kind of quartet to a degree. They've got some good options up there, and I think they can push their way to the top of the table. And then speaking of Werder Bremen, they were 16th last year who were in a regulation playoff, so I don't really have high hopes for them either, especially if you watch that game where they were clearly outplayed and dominated by a very good Berlin side. The next match looks over at Stuttgart, new boy Stuttgart, I should say, uh, who lost 2-3 to Freiburg. Freiburg being the second best team off set pieces last year. And it continued this match with a couple of their goals coming off set pieces and able to to break down um, the youngest squad in the, in yes, the Bundesliga. Yeah. What do you think about this one, Matt? Uh, I think Niels Peterson continues to impress. He nearly had the goal of the season on the first match. Uh, had from uh, kind of into the corner, somebody laid on a cross where he caught the back edge of his boot there with kind of a jumping turn twist back heel. Nearly got into the goal, but uh, he was dangerous all game. Vincenzo Grifo also looks like he's quite good. I feel like those two guys are, again, 
the only reason that they are doing as well as they are. And if and when injuries may pile up, because you never know what can happen to these teams, uh, it could be a struggle for them. Mm-hmm. But I expect that they will finish a solid mid-table this season. Absolutely. Uh, next up, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. It was your boys, Bruce Dortmund, beating Borussia Mönchengladbach 3-0, Matt. So it, it really felt like the the first half that it was much more of a contest. It looked like Gladbach really could have picked up a goal or two. There's a few a couple of goal scrambles where Roman Berkey had one where he kind of had one go off his leg, and then he ended up just reaching back just out of desperation and just pushed it forward. And it felt like it was a bit – I was getting a little weary. I, I felt that they were going to score at some point. Somehow there was no goal. Uh, and it, Gio Reyna into that second half and, and as well for uh, most of the Dortmund young guys just felt like they were above anything else. I, I couldn't believe how good they were. And it was only – guys who are under 21 you, know, mm-hmm. you, you felt like Gio Reyna had been playing in that side for years with he had all kinds of uh, you know pickups for the ball he had a couple of interceptions where he had dropped back as well you know ended up getting the first goal with a really nice finish as well he had one where he kind of brought it along the ground onto the far side and yeah I think I think we thought much Gladback would be one of those teams that would be near the top of the table. They didn't quite look at their best in this game, but I think they can get back to that. I, this might just be a bit of a just an early season slump. Uh, Dortmund did, wasn't too impressive uh, as far as at the back. Uh, I, I'm not convinced with Emery Chan playing right center back in a back three. I like Emery Chan, and I really liked that signing, but yeah, he he went forward a few times where I was just looking behind him at all the empty space thinking, oh, no, this is not going to end well. Uh, you know, you, you said something really important here, Dortmund being young up front, and they are the second youngest team in the Bundesliga this year, average age of 25.2, just a little under Stuttgart. But you compare the quality coming out of this lineup, they're able to buy well, um, they're able to develop well, and then... Uh, I, you know what? You're right. I have to say that the first half, it was, it was pretty even in terms of possession, in terms of chances. I think both teams are sort of trading chances, but also trying to be conservative as conservative can get. Um, but in the second half, the young boys for Dortmund really opened up uh, Gladbach, which scares me a little bit because I'm a huge uh, Matthias Ginter fan. And I, I keep saying, if you're going to look for a hard-nosed defender who, who's good with the ball at his feet, who's good in the air, um, who's going to bark orders from the back end, he'd be a great pickup for the big clubs. But he didn't look great at all, especially on the counter. Uh, so disappointing from that perspective, but great on Dortmund. Uh, I also know you touched based on uh, Emery Chan playing center back. I know he's played in that position for his previous clubs a few times, but he doesn't look comfortable back there, especially for someone who's who wants to distribute, who wants to go up and score. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think we can isolate him in the back, especially. Um, it feels very forced for him. It really does. I'm not, I'm not overly convinced with this, the formation mm-hmm. that Lucien Favre has going. But, uh, I mean, you can't argue when you see guys like Erling Holland scoring goals. I mean, he, he took the penalty for the first goal, I believe, and then 
Did you see his sprint from his own box to score? Uh, <laughs> just it, it was just silly. He made Jaden Sancho look slow. And Jaden Sancho, being touted as a $120 million <laughs> Uh, it's not slow. Manchester United is not a slow player. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it just shows that these guys are really hungry for goals. And I feel like when Dortmund will win the season, it's going to end up with them scoring three or four goals, but also yeah. conceding, you know, two or one. <laughs> okay. Well, here's a question for you. I want you to answer it in a little bit just so we can finish up the rest of match day. But uh, if you're a Borussia Dortmund uh, management or, or coach, who are you looking to bring in? Um, so I'll leave that with you for a quick sec. We're just going to finish up uh, the next two matches. Uh, yes. RB Leipzig defeating Mainz 3-1. Uh, Leipzig picking up where they left off as well. I mean, they struggled against PHSG in the Champions League, but it's hard to fault them at that. But they also lost Timo Werner. But they looked good in this game, obviously against Mainz, but they still looked very good. Yeah, I felt like... Emil Forsberg really seemed to pick up where he left off from a few seasons ago. He he had a ton of assists and some goals a couple of seasons ago, and he looked like he was, you know, quite, quite good. He could have gone to, a, you know, maybe a slightly bigger club. And then he, he had a bit of a drop in form, and you thought maybe that was just a maybe a one-season wonder type for him. But he looked really good this game. He, every single attack that Leipzig had went through him. And mm-hmm. he also nearly scored a beautiful goal that just skipped off of the post. You know, you felt like he might get back to that form that we've seen a few years ago. I mean, I'd hope so. Only, only in the sense that there's no Timo Werner that's leading your attack. Who's going to take over? Is it, is it Yusuf Paulson? Uh, Yusuf Paulson's a hard-nosed player as well. Like, I'm going to use that term a lot today. But... Uh, is he the right guy? No, I don't. I don't personally think so. So Emil Forsberg, hopefully, he's able to. Uh, he's Swedish, right? Yeah, Swedish international yes, yeah. there. So, I mean, he has big shoes to to fill into, not at, only at the club but at the international level. There, uh, they also, you know, Leipzig has a very good defense. Uh, it, it, you know, with Panacamo, uh, Angelino sticking around. So th- this team definitely has aspirations of a, a top four finish uh, for sure moving forward. Our, our final matchup of match day, or match week one, I should say, uh, Wolfsburg and Bayer Leverkusen play to a nil-nil draw. I didn't get a chance to see this game, but I caught the highlights. It was, it was rather boring. I mean, there was a couple of chances here and there, but uh, not any indication that either team could really pull off a win. Yeah, it didn't seem like there was much in it. I feel like uh, with Wolfsburg and both Leverkusen look like teams that should be fighting for a top four spot. And, and if you come away for with a draw, you know, against either of those clubs, I don't think you're going to feel too hard done by. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, both clubs would have liked to have come away with three points on that one. Absolutely. Um, so now that we've concluded match week one, who's a player, player, a coach, and a match that you thought stood out to you? I felt that Marco Rosa of Borussia Mönchengladbach probably didn't get his guys you know going as well as he probably could have and I was really surprised he had left Marcus Taram and Alessandra Playa on the bench you know those guys combined are probably one of the better strike partnerships in the Bundesliga 
And I, I was kind of shocked that they were left on the bench. Now, personally, I, I don't know if there was anything else in that, but to leave your two best strikers on the bench, it, it just seemed rather naive, mm-hmm. you know, especially against a, you know, a Borussia Dortmund team, albeit, you know, a young Dortmund team. But, yeah, it just felt the, like it was the wrong decision. I have to say the match that I really enjoyed watching uh, was the Hoffenheim Cologne, Cologne game. I thought, you know, a new coach, new system, the ability for the way the goals sort of came out for both sides. I, I thought it was a fun, entertaining match. Obviously, that Bayern game was amazing. But uh, if we don't focus on Bayern for a second there, uh, the yeah, Hoffenheim yeah. game was great. And and on all the best to Sebastian Honest. I think he's a, a very good coach, a very young coach. Um, especially with a, a good team up there and uh, probably a top table finish. I don't know if they'll crack the top six by any means or the top four, but they're, they're very good. It's a bold prediction. It is a bold prediction. But uh, if, if anything, if you follow me on, on our Garage Door Sports Network there, I make these bold predictions. Never right, but I like to make them. No such thing as a take that is not hot. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Uh, speaking of, uh, I mentioned them, but Bayern Munich absolutely dominated. Uh, They're already looking, like I said, in midseason form. Hansi Flick really took over this team after a 5-1 drubbing that Micho, by mutual consent, uh, former coach Niko Kovac uh, and Bayern Munich split up there. You know, things changed. Uh, Hansi Flick, they won two games, they had two losses. And then in the final stretch of the year, the season, I should say, 19 wins out of 20. They don't have Ribery and they don't have Robin, but now they have Sané and Gnabry and Lewandowski is phenomenal. Um, Muller looks better than he did a year ago. Uh, there's a new tactic coming out of this club. They're playing a highline defense, which you would think a counter-attack team could outplay them, but we haven't really seen anyone do that. Is anyone really going to dethrone Bayern this year? I mean... It being me as a Dortmund fan, I I would love to say that I think they can do it. I'm not very convinced by Lucien Favre. I've yet to be convinced, you know, until there's, you know, the Bundesliga trophy at our doorstep. I don't think that he's going to convince me of his three-at-the-back tactic. And, again, I was also confused that he'd left out Rafael Guerrero in this match. I'm not sure, again, if you could have been injured or mm-hmm. whatever. But, you know, I I don't know that there's anyone who can touch Bayern. It looks like they will probably win again, and that sucks to say. But I think until Dortmund can set out a system where they have a coach for some time, then I don't think it's going to happen. Just and, and there are some decent other teams like Leipzig and, you know, uh, I feel like them losing Timo Werner they just got that much worse you know it looked like they could do okay with Patrick Schick there but he's not he's not gonna have the output so no the the disparity unfortunately is is monumental between I think Bayern and everyone else and I think Dortmund being the the closest and I know last year they they kind of coughed up a lead of in the year where they could have possibly won when when Byron was stumbling it just didn't really work out for them um but you know when you're talking about tiers there's Byron on the top 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 cream of the crop and then you know a little bit less than that like a level or two down I think that's where Dortmund falls in and then there's everybody else so 
I also don't think no one's uh, anyone can really dethrone them, but yeah, we've seen things happen. Like you can you can get a bunch of injuries. Uh, that high line stops the work against a very good pressing Dortmund side. I, I have to agree with you there. That back three doesn't make sense for a team that's you know good in the midfield, good in the good in the attack there. So I'd probably toss in an extra player there and take off a defender and go like a four. Four three three or four uh, four diamond like play a four four two diamond or something you know but if if Lucien Favre isn't there is there a manager you're looking at that you want to to cult, sort of mold these players? Don't get my hopes up because <laughs> I do want Mauricio Pochettino. If you could imagine that guy becoming, you know, the next manager where he's able to take over signings of the club sales bringing in all kinds of young players, that would be just a dream come true. Mm-hmm. That will probably not happen, but I would love for that to happen. <laughs> well, especially for an attack-minded a manager who is about that. Like, you saw what Spurs was with him uh, as as the manager, and now you compare it to what <laughs> Mourinho's really made them look. It, it's different. Um you know, I don't want to get your hopes up, but I I could see that happening. But I think with Poch, he's probably going to go to Spain where he wants to be. Um, or I know he was linked with United if uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you know, doesn't actually do anything as a manager there. Um, but really, has he done zero? Like we, they suck anyway. <laughs> don't get me started. It's been it's been a rough last couple of years. Twisting the knife. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I can see your mindset in terms of bringing Poch and I think having a young team especially the way you saw what he did with Southampton and what he did with, with uh, Tottenham is it, it they'd be definitely closer to Bayern than they are now for sure uh, I want to move gears quickly uh, stick with the Bundesliga but look at our Canadian boy here uh, Afonso Davies he was worth uh, I'm scrolling down about 10 million euros and now he's estimated on the transfer market to be about 80 million euros do you think he's maybe the best left back now or is he close to being the best left back i think that's a bit of naivety saying that he's the best left back i mean jordi alba has been a part of the barcelona side for quite a while and he's had some great success Uh, i feel like they are turning a page where they're bringing in some young guys. And it, it seems shocking how they were able to bring a guy who's got studied and such ability to bring the ball into the box from the left-back position for $10 million seems quite cheap, you know. And he was in the Champions League semifinals. He was just ruining. He was just going by, you know, this, that, and the other person. It, I don't think that he is there yet. He needs to improve defensively. He has so much speed that he can get nutmeg, turn around, and still beat you to that ball. He's just that fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as I want him to have success, I also don't want him to have success with Bayern. <laughs> so I would love it if he wasn't playing for you know a rival team, but good for him, good for us to have you know, a guy who is now seen as the heir apparent for this, you know, Canadian national team. So just to clarify, you would put Jordi Alba as the best left back? I'm sure there's probably somebody I'm forgetting, but <laughs> Jordi Alba to me is is 
my favorite left back. He looked really bad uh, coming up. I mean, that whole Bayern team didn't look uh, – sorry, Bayern. Barcelona team, my, my apologies, didn't look yeah. great to begin with all of last year. I mean, Jordi Alba had – Jordi Alba good. playing badly is Bartomeu's fault. That's, that's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't. I, I think I agree with you in the sense I don't think he's the best left back yet, but he's definitely up there. Um, I would, I would like Marcelo as my left back. I, I think that guy is freaking talented. His ability to control the ball at any pace or any any speed is amazing. But you know, you touched on this. Alphonse Davies will lose the ball in the in the final third, but come back to his own third and and still outrun you and still get that ball away from you. So. Obviously, there's still gaps, and it really helps having a guy like David Alaba as the left center back there to cover you, especially him being a former left back. So I think he's with the right team. I don't think he's the best yet, but I think he's definitely up there. Um, My follow-up question then to you, is he the best Canadian player of all time? It's hard to say that, you know, at such a young age. He has the potential to be the best Canadian player. However, he hasn't done anything for Canada yet. True. So we've got the Gold Cup. And, you know, I think if he can lead our side to to a World Cup finals, that would be incredible. I mean, we're going to be hosting the World Cup finals at some point. So he'll be there. And maybe we'll make the round of, what, 32 when they have so many teams? But, no, I don't think he's the best yet. I think if you're looking at – I know he's 19, but if you're trying to compare him to what he's done in Europe comparatively to a guy like Dwayne Rosario or Craig Forrest and Julian de Guzman, I think the, the group that they have for the Canadian national team now with Jonathan David and Alphonse Davies and uh, many other really good players, this group to me might – surpass that former group if if anything that might be it i agree to that yes yeah um is he the best canadian player of all time i think just like that left back conversation he's up there and i think if he can continue to produce over at byron and and, you know get canada looking good at the national level i think by the age of 20 21 22 he might be the best canadian soccer player of all time men's wise i think the best canadian soccer player ever is still christine sinclair and I will fight yes, anyone on that. No one even comes close. No one even comes really. I mean, she. Uh, we talked about this last episode. She whiffed on a shot and still pulled off this fantastic somersault. The, she's a legend, in my opinion. I don't think anyone ever gets to her level. It's going to be super, super difficult. Um, so moving on. Due to COVID-19, we've seen uh, a lot of changes in terms of fans and in terms of how people watch the game. There was fans in the audience uh, in the seats supporting their teams this past week. Uh, are you okay with that if you're uh, a viewer of a team uh, in terms of safety or anything like that? Uh, of course, I think, you know, safety of both players and fans is integral. However, I, I feel that they, as long as the, you know, the cases remain low in, in Germany, that this is definitely feasible. Uh, however, it, it, you know, is scary just seeing that happen when you have been so you've become accustomed to not seeing fans in the stadium and when you hear the low hum of a cheer it was kind of strange no i absolutely agree with you on that point it was a little weird i was watching the byron game for example there and 
was like, oh, there's no fake noise. What the hell's going on? And then you realize that there's actually people sitting in the in the stands and a little hum of a cheer or a, a clap or something. But uh, I personally don't agree with fans coming in in any sporting venue. I like the whole bubble idea. It's teams only. Um, I know for revenue shares and you're looking at money, it's not the most ideal situation for a club. But uh, with the way cases are rising currently, um, I'm a little skeptical with that. I don't know. Like I'm still hesitant with having fans in the uh, in the stadium. I'd, I'd wait until the new year. I mean, they're barely noticeable, so I guess that's okay. As long as you're wearing a mask and there's some sort of distancing um, and cover your goddamn nose and your mouth at the same time when wearing a mask, and I think I think you'll have to <laughs> cover it. I mean, uh, just like the NFL's dishing out fines if you're not wearing a mask properly or not wearing a mask, um, I think the league should maybe implement something on that. Before we wrap up our starting 11 segment, why don't you share with us your predictions of coach of the year, first coach hired, champions, your top four, and the teams to get relegated. Uh, you know, we both agree that Bayern is, is most likely going to win this season, and, and Hansi Flick looks like just the most angry man when you're winning 8-0. You just couldn't believe it. So I think, again, he will probably become coach of the year for sure. And I think, yes, David Wagner, it's, it's easy to say that after his side loses 8-0. And, and I just feel like I was not convinced whatsoever uh, having him come from a relegated side in England to, to coach a you know, potential Champions League side. A couple of years ago, you know, the 17-18 season, they finished second, a distant second for Bayern. But it just feels like such a far fall, and mm-hmm. they really need, I think, a a better manager than David Wagner. My top four is a bit different. I believe Dortmund can finish second, Leipzig third, and then a bit of a left field shout. I think Wolfsburg could possibly finish in the top four. I don't think, I don't know. I'm not seeing if Gladbach can't do it. I think Gladbach should be able to do it, but yeah, I'd like to see someone different. I'd like to see Wolfsburg back in there. And then uh, for my relegation candidates, Albeit in Germany, there is the possibility of just uh, two clubs relegated to the second division as opposed to uh, three in England. And I think Bielefeld and Stuttgart will go down. I don't know. I I feel like Werder could pull off another brave escape. They were able to do it with a crazy win at the final day. They're capable of winning games. They showed it at the end of the season, and they don't have a drastically different side. So I think that they can stay and continue on for the next season. Uh, definitely hard to argue. I know we have very similar picks, but I think Dave Wagner doesn't get fired. I think it's more of a, a mutual consent where he and the club both decide that this isn't working and we hired the wrong manager and I'm also not coaching the right team. Obviously, Bayern will win. I have no doubt about it. Our top three is the same. Uh, I put Munchen Glad back in there. Like I said, I'm a huge proponent of Matthias Ginter. So I think that was one anomaly, one poor performance, and um, he's going to have that back line short up. They're going to be fine. They're going to beat some teams. Like they have the capacity to beat a team like Dortmund and Leipzig and even Bayern if they can frustrate them. They don't have enough trust in Schalke to really do anything, especially with not being able to bring players in or really reinforce that. It's just up to their academy system, which has been really good, and them developing players, they just they get plucked every year, so it's unfortunate. Uh, 
Bremen to me is the Sunderland of the German league where they're always at the bottom, but they seem to stay up randomly and I'm going to go Belfield there. So I put three teams in the, my relegation. I'll tweet out our picks a little later on. So you can go ahead and like, and uh, comment and disagree with us on that one. So that concludes our starting 11 segment brought to you by the garage door sports podcast network. So continuing with our early tradition of our off the bench segment, we follow the spirit of the five substitution rule. Here are about five major storylines or five major categories from this past week or so. Some uh, pretty big transfer news coming out of a few different leagues. Uh, mainly we're going to start off with uh, England there. And it looks like uh, Thiago and Diogo Jota have both signed for Liverpool. I think that'll make them pretty dangerous side if they weren't already dangerous. Uh, Pierre Koundé looks like a target for Man City. Uh, to Sevilla there. Uh, looks like Man City are trying to find another alternative for uh, Koulibaly. Koulibaly being about a hundred million pound by, uh, value from Napoli. So I think they're trying to find maybe a bit of a better option. Ryan Brewster is, uh, looks like he might be a Palace and Sheffield target. Um, he hasn't been able to get as much game time as we maybe have thought in Liverpool, but you can't argue when you've got guys, you know, the quality of Mo Salah and, you know, Sadio Mane in front of him. So he might be looking for a, a bigger opportunity. Gareth Bale and Sergio Reguillon have both moved to Spurs. Bale is on loan and Reguillon has joined on a uh, permanent transfer. It looks like Astabilla made a move for Bertrand Traore from Lyon. Uh, and Chelsea has made a signing of Edouard Mendy uh, from Rennes. And Max Ahrens is a target for Barcelona from Norwich. And uh, moving on, there's a couple of deals looking out through MLS. Jordi uh, Varian has moved to Whitecaps, uh, over to, from Whitecaps over to DC United. And Gonzalo Higuain heads over to Inter Miami. And Atlanta United has continued to add some more South American talent in Marcelino Moreno. Italy got Arturo Vidal headed out from. Barcelona there on a one million deal. It didn't seem like much. Uh, Alvaro Morata on his way from uh, Atletico Madrid to Juventus on a loan deal there. And AC Milan are maybe reported to look for a new center back. Looks like they're looking at Milinkovic from Fiorentina. And then Cengiz Sandar has moved to England on loan from uh, Roma to Leicester. For that, we will wrap up the transfers. The NWSL and the NWSLPA announced its partnership with Parkside Collectibles. Parkside will be the first sports trading card company to create an all-women's soccer trading card set. The first set of cards will contain the 2020 NWSL Challenge Cup limited edition set. And within each set, there'll be about 15 cards with randomized autographed cards or a promising rookie card. For Canadian fans, Christine Sinclair's signed card could be found in the set. You can buy a pack on the Parkside Collectibles website. So we'll move on over to a bizarre story out of Rome. So Roma were handed a 3-0 defeat after their match that was a draw with Hellas Verona because Mamadou Diawara was incorrectly listed as a 22-year-old player, as a U-22 player. And he's 23. He did start this match, and 
it ended nil nil, so it didn't seem like there was much going on there anyway. Uh, but following the game, they were handed this match day penalty, uh, so they lost as opposed to just losing, uh, you know, points being deducted. They ended up uh, basically handing them a, a loss. Uh, it, it's believed that Roma is going to end up appealing this decision. Uh, their reasoning is that there was no malice or poor intent, uh, and it hasn't given any sort of uh, competitive advantage, clearly, because he didn't put up any points. Our next story is a quick English soccer roundup. After week two of the EPL, Leicester City, Everton, Arsenal, and Liverpool respectively round up the top four. Dominant Calvert. Lewin and Son Hyun Min lead the league in scoring with four goals apiece. Leeds United get their first EPL win since April 10, 2004. Uh, Leon's game versus Tottenham in the Carabao Cup was called off after positive COVID-19 tests. And West Ham manager David Moyes, centre-back Issa Diop and midfielder Josh Cullen tested positive for COVID-19, they remain uh, asymptomatic. I mean, their team, still, their team still played, but that's something to keep an eye out. It's possible that, uh, you know, Arsenal should look into their, uh, their squad, make sure they all get tested as well, uh, given that they did recently play a match against West Ham. We can move over, I believe, over to the Canadian Premier League. The FC Forge won the Canadian Premier League title for the second straight year. Uh, goals in the 60th minute and the 90th minute did prove to be the winner uh, in the difference for the defending champions. That ends our off-the-bench segment. Before we sign off, Matt, do you want to give us your final thoughts regarding your predictions for the new in, uh, EPL season? So, no secret that I do think that Jurgen Klopp will most likely be able to lead Liverpool to the title yet again. Uh, they've got the squad depth now with Tiago and Jota, uh, you think that they should be able to beat the Man City Challenge again. Uh, so I think he'll be the best coach of the season. I think Scott Parker looks a little out of his depth. Uh, they were quite lucky. He's quite lucky to lead Fulham back to the Premier League. And it looks like this time they're not as strong as when they were just about a couple years ago when they did come back up into the league. Uh, when they spent probably some of the most of the season, they were close to Man City spending levels. So I don't think that they have a hope in, you know, H to be able to survive, but we'll see. As far as the Champions League goes, I think City will be able to come second. Chelsea is probably my pick for third. Uh, they've made a lot of spending, and I think that they'll be quite good. Uh, and my left field shout of left field shouts, Arsenal will get back into the Champions League. They will finish fourth. This season, they will not capitulate, and they will finish above Spurs. It will happen. I think a lot of teams are going to finish above Spurs. Uh, I also went with that left pick choice for Arsenal and Ports. You're not alone. I think Mark, uh, Mikel Arteta is, um, has done a good job with this team. Uh, they just won today against Leicester City 2-0 in the Carabao Cup. So uh, a lot of bright side. Uh, I know you mentioned Fulham being at the bottom. Who are your other two teams that you think will get relegated? I think this might be a bit of a sophomore slump for Sheffield. I don't, I don't believe that they can survive. They didn't quite seem to spend when they've earned the money from the Premier League. So I think they're going to end up finishing 18th. 
and I do not think that West Brom does have the chops to survive. They don't necessarily have the, you know, the squad depth to be able to continue on if, if there's any sort of injuries. Okay. So, uh, And my final thought is the NWSL matches are available on CBS and CBS All Access and Twitch. So in three days' time, uh, at 1 p.m., you can watch Chicago Red Stars take on the Washington Spirit at 3.30. Utah, Utah Royals will play OL Reign. Uh, 8.30, there is the Houston Dash versus the Orlando Pride. These games are all for Saturday, September 26th. I think that does it for our third episode. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and give us a like or a rating. You can follow us on Twitter at TouchlineTH. You can follow me at Irfan Manji. You can follow Matt at Fody Matthew. Don't forget to follow our network at Garage Door Sport or check out our website at garagedoorsports.com. Thank you very much, Matt, for being our guest today. Thank you for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next match day. Cheers.